Welcome to Apostolic Life in the 21st Century, a podcast dedicated to helping modern-day believers live out the teachings of the first century church. This podcast is part of the teaching ministry of Dr. David K. Bernard. Dr. Bernard has dedicated his life to studying the Bible and helping believers apply its message to their daily lives. In Apostolic Life in the 21st Century, Dr. Bernard answers your questions about what the Bible teaches and how those teachings apply to everyday life. Thank you for joining us for this broadcast. The Reverend Martin Luther King Jr. once said, It is appalling that the most segregated hour of Christian America is 11 o'clock on Sunday morning. Of course, King was noting the racial divide in the American church at large, but his observation unfortunately seems to apply to oneness Pentecostals also. If all oneness Pentecostals believe and preach the same message, why are our organizations split along racial lines? Well, first of all, let me answer by saying the church of Jesus Christ must stand for racial inclusion and must stand against racism. Racism is a sin. We must be very clear on that. So any practice that promotes segregation of races or exclusion of people or uh, putting people on a secondary status, that is contrary uh, to the scripture and what the church should be. In Revelation chapter 5, verse 9, you have people of every language, every uh, tribe, every nation, um, all worshiping God in heaven together. So that's what the church should be like. Now, of course, America um, has a history of racism from slavery to Jim Crow laws. And thankfully, the civil rights movement of the 1960s brought great equity in a legal sense. That doesn't mean everybody's hearts were changed. And so there's still an ongoing battle to make sure we implement and practice what our nation professes. We are founded as a nation on the premise that all people are created equal. But it's been a slow process of making that turn into reality. And I, I am thankful, I would, by the way, for our nation because we were the first nation founded on that principle. And even though it was imperfect, we progressed steadily. Um, and thankfully, we've arrived at a point in our history where uh, we've made tremendous progress. We still have more progress. Now, so let me answer on a, a big picture and a l- little picture. So the oneness, the, the, the Pentecostal movement arose in the early 1900s. And one of the amazing features, which you can see in the Azusa Street Revival, was the interracial character. One of our founders even wrote how amazed he was that for the, he was from the deep south. So the first time in his life he could go and actually see white and black people sitting together having dinner, worshiping together in church. He thought it was amazing that that could happen. Another chronicler of uh, the actual historian of the Azusa Street Revival, Frank Bartleman, who, who became a oneness Pentecostal, he said the color line was washed away in the blood. And so the early oneness organizations were interracial. However, we were living in a Jim Crow society, especially throughout the South. And so um, actually throughout the South, uh, if you tried to have meetings together, you would often be attacked uh, or even arrested or attacked by the public. They, you had tent revivals. There were interracial. People were throwing rocks, tearing down tents, burning the tents at night. Uh, and uh, if, they tried, if you tried to have a conference, you couldn't have a venue You couldn't rent a venue where blacks and whites could meet together. You couldn't have a hotel as a headquarters where blacks and whites could go together. You couldn't go to a restaurant together. And so the reality of all that 
caused a split along racial lines in 1924 of four organizations on regional lines and racial lines. I think it was a great tragedy. Uh, No doubt there were some prejudices that work even within the church, but by the testimony of both blacks and whites at that time, the real pressure was not so much within the church, but society, as I, I just mentioned. And you can read about it. Uh, James Tyson has written a book, The Early Pentecostal Revival. He's African-American. I wrote a book, uh, History of Christian Doctrine, Volume 3. And we both try to recount that history of what is going on. Uh, And then, but the the oneness people were so uncomfortable with that division, even though it seemed to be required by the pressures of society, that in 1931, the two largest groups tried to join again interracially. And that survived till 1937, which again, there was another uh, division where most of the black ministers left because they didn't feel it was being administered uh, fairly. I would have to say it's a great tragedy and the majority of the responsibility has to fall upon the majority, which was white. Uh, But nevertheless, it was the segregated pressures of society. To give you the context at that time, all major denominations were divided on racial lines. Um, the unions, the Democratic Party, um, the, the military. So every major institution of society was divided upon racial lines, or almost all. I would say the oneness Pentecostals struggle longer and more effectively than almost any. But still, that ended failure. I wish they could have held together for 20 more years than we would have entered the civil rights movement and we could have had a positive impact in a way that we didn't. Uh, now, all that was before there was a United Pentecostal Church. The United Pentecostal Church was formed in 1945 of a merger of two organizations that were predominantly white, but not exclusively white. There were African-American ministers at the founding of the UPCI. And we also have some Hispanic and Asian uh, ministers that were founding members of the UPCI. Uh, Over the years, the UPCI has struggled to become more and more inclusive. And I would say probably for the last 40 years, there's been an intense um, desire step by step. We've adopted policies, uh, official statements, and practical applications. So today, of course, across the world, the UPCI is vast majority non-white. In the, in the U.S. and Canada, which is our home base, about one-third minorities of all kinds and about two-thirds white. Um, so we have striven, and, and it, every our general board, every one of our other governing boards is now interracial. Typically, we have, uh, through the electoral process, both black and Hispanic membership. Most of our districts uh, throughout uh, the U.S. and Canada will have African-American and or Hispanic uh, and even other representation on their district boards, uh, on their district leadership team, and so on. So, so really that statement is not true of the UPCI. Uh, in some areas, a very strong majority white population, that could be true, or in minority neighborhoods, that could be true. But just for example, in Austin, Texas, the church I started, when I stepped down as pastor, it was 50% uh, white, Caucasian, Anglo. It was 26% Hispanic, which was the largest minority in our city. Uh, it was 18% African American or black. It was 6% Asian American or Native American. I would say for most of our churches, our large churches, our urban churches, our growing churches, 
you do see quite a bit of diversity. Um, I think we have to be intentional. The first thing is every church should be open and welcoming to all, not just in theory, but in the way they operate, who they use in leadership, um, the types of services they conduct needs to be culturally and racially inclusive. But then the second thing is because of the unique needs of minorities, we should be intentional of training pastors and ministers who can go into minority neighborhoods and establish churches. And while they also should minister to everyone, then we know they will specifically try to reach the minority populations in their immediate neighborhood. And for some cases, that's important because of language, such as Spanish and other languages. Uh, for some cases, culture and uh, just geographic uh, area or uh, demographics of the neighborhood. So I think we need a twofold strategy of every church being inclusive, but also being intentional of making sure we plant churches in minority neighborhoods and constituents. And uh, maybe I should say a third point is we must be inclusive. We must be intentional as an organization to be inclusive at every level of leadership. So here's my goal as general superintendent is that our church should reflect the demographics of our society and our leadership should reflect the demographics of our church. Now, Going back to the divisions I mentioned uh, that are almost 100 years old now, there are several different apostolic organizations that are predominantly African-American or predominantly Hispanic. I believe it's also important to have fellowship among the various groups. Over the years, each group has developed its own traditions, its own culture, its own uh, form of government. So we're not necessarily saying we all have to join in one organization. I don't think that's necessary. But I do think we should work together as brothers and sisters. And so before I was general superintendent, when I was president of Urshan Graduate School of Theology, I invited the, the leaders of the seven largest apostolic Pentecostal organizations in the U.S. to come together for a meeting. So every year since then, we've had the annual Apostolic Fellowship Summit. And we have worked together on many things, one of the notable ones in recent years, the National Apostolic Day of Prayer. So I'm happy to tell you that to a great extent within the United Pentecostal Church International, uh, we do not follow that quote that you stated. We are truly an interracial inclusive church. We're striving to be more so. And why is that? Not to be politically correct, because God loves souls, all souls. The church must do the same. And because the church on earth should be a reflection of what the church is going to be in heaven. Thank you for joining us for today's broadcast. We hope you'll make plans to join us again next time when once again we take a look at how the Bible applies to our everyday lives.